Since I left my business, I dedicated myself to helping my friends. My friends, all of, almost all of my friends are entrepreneurs. I want to help my friends get into the best shape that they can possibly get into. And in turn, I'm going to be helping their customers and their clients because anytime you get into better shape, it has a meta effect on the rest of your life. It is uh, the number one meta habit. What is up, my friend, and welcome to the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm health expert Ted Rice, coach to entrepreneurs, executives, and other high-performing professionals. And what we do here at Legendary Life is break down science-based information on how to lose fat, prevent disease, and live a long, healthy, legendary life. So if that's what you're into, you are in the right place. Click that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so that every time one of my episodes goes live, you'll be the first to know. Let's move on to the episode. Dan Go, thanks so much for coming on the Legendary Life Podcast. Thank you for having me, brother. It's finally happened. We're finally here. Yeah, after much back and forth and rescheduling, mostly on my end, uh, with the craziness that's been going on with in, in my personal life. So really appreciate it and excited to have you today because you and I, we help the same people and you actually, uh, unlike me, you actually came from being a person who was deeply involved in the business world. And so you help, even though you were in fitness before, but now you help the type of person you used to be. Yeah. Is that correct? Is that a fair assessment of uh, uh, the situation, Dan? Uh, I would say kind of yes and no. Um, so I help people in the same health position that I was in before, which was, uh, which is almost like at ground zero, uh, which was uh, man boobs and beer guts and bag of potato chips, eating it on the couch. So, you know, I help people who are at a similar uh, health as I was when I, before I started, but uh, the people that I do this for are uh, high achieving entrepreneurs, uh, politicians, New York Times bestsellers, uh, people who are just uh, pretty much operating at the peak of their potential. And usually what happens is, is that they trade their health in for their success. And then I'm the person to bring it back essentially. Yeah, I hear you. And um, very interesting. So you started, let me just ask you this. How was your journey coming into, because I know you owned a gym. In fact, you owned one of the first body transformation centers in North America for 11 years. You sold that and now you do in this virtual format, right? You do coaching much, uh, I can't say you like what I do, but we both use the virtual way of working with people. Tell us a little bit about that journey into fitness into what you then into what you do now? Yes. Um, so way, way, way back then, I used to be a very out of shape guy. And my idea of a good uh, weekday or weeknight or weekend would be to sit down with a bag of chips on my couch and play video games all night. And if I wasn't doing that, then I was getting drunk with my friends. And it wasn't until I found the gym and turned around my health and which my whole life turned around. And then 
I, at that time, I was working for a corporation before I kind of like went into this whole fitness thing and I was working for a nine to five corporation. I hated it. I hated it with a passion and I couldn't tell anyone what I was doing because I was so ashamed and I was just like, I just hated what I was doing. So something happened in my life, uh, which shifted me big time, which was uh, losing my mom. And uh, she was the rock in my life. And then when, she, when I lost her, it was, uh, it was shocking, but also it was a wake up call because I could be working a nine to five for the rest of my life, or I could be doing something that I love to do, which was gym, which is fitness and which was helping people. So I decided to make that transition. And then the past 11 years, I've, I started the, one of the first body transformation centers in all of North America. We built that up and then we sold that in uh, December of 2018. And the past few times, or the, since then, I've been helping entrepreneurs. And the reason I've been helping entrepreneurs is because, as you know, like as you're kind of like moving up in business, you're part of all these like mastermind groups. Right. And then they're, they're with people from all sorts of niches. And then these people actually become your friends over time. So when I went into these mastermind groups, I would just see my friends get out of shape. They would have this mutually exclusive agreement that they could not be in shape and have a successful business at the same time. And it pains me and it pains anyone if you see a friend just. If you see a friend not taking care of their health and you're thinking in the back of your mind, this person's headed towards an early grave, if not a low quality life, doesn't matter how much money you make. So since I left my business, I dedicated myself to helping my friends. My friends, all of, almost all of my friends are entrepreneurs. I want to help my friends get into the best shape that they can possibly get into. And in turn, I'm going to be helping their customers and their clients because Anytime you get into better shape, it has a meta effect on the rest of your life. It is uh, the number one meta habit. I can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, obviously, you and I, we've talked about this before. Let's talk about that a bit. The choice to do a bit more. I mean, it, it, in my experience, and, and if you have a, a different experience, please please share. But in my experience... People who are high performers, who are building something great business-wise, career-wise, it's this story that they come back to that they don't have time. And when I sit down and I work, I have so many things to do and I have, I have to get it done. I have to do as much as I can because the more I do, the further along my business gets, the more success I have and, and to take time out from doing that to work on myself, to do exercise, to make better choices with nutrition, to get more sleep, et cetera, et cetera, that I can't, I don't have the time. And um, what really happens is that they, their productivity starts getting worse and worse. Their waistline gets bigger and bigger. And, um, it just gets to the point where they get stuck in this mode. It's become a habit, neurons that wire together, fire together, and they can't break out of it, even though they know something is wrong here. The weight's gone up. I feel bad, but I can't break out of this cycle. In your experience, has it been similar to what I just described and if it's been different, what were the differences? And then let's move into 
how to break out of that? Great question. And literally almost every single person that comes to me is like their number one excuse is not having time. And my comeback to this every single damn time is it's not that you don't have a lot of time. It's actually about the fact that you don't know what, what the fuck to do with your time, right? You, you don't know exactly how to make your time worth it or how to amplify your time or invest your time to get a better body in the gym. So what do most people do? They waste their time on cardio. They waste their time on fad diets, keto, low fat, intermittent fasting, whatever it is. And then they may lose weight in the beginning, but over time, they just gain it back, if not more than that. And the whole purpose and the reason is because they don't really fit anything to attune with the current lifestyle that they live. You know, I like far be it from me to say it's like if you want to get in shape, it actually has to boil down to a few simple things rather than doing all these complex things or all these new things. So every single time I talk to a client, they're always like, yeah, I just don't have enough time to get in shape. It's like, no, you just don't know what to do with your time. And also there is a self-image portion to this as well. It's any result that we have, whether it's uh, making a million dollars, having a six pack, whatever it is, having a beautiful family, it's, it's really based on how we see ourselves in the mirror, but also inside of our, inside of our consciousness, I guess you could say. And when people trade off their health for their business, they're, they're making a pretty bad trade. That's number one. But also they're building up this self-image where they're, they just don't, where they just never get into shape. And they are not a person who gets into shape. They are not a person who takes care of his body. So part of what I have to do is, number one, I have to change the body. But in order to change the body, I also have to dig into their brain and also make sure that we bring out the self-image that uh, has to hit the gym, that needs to eat healthy for performance, that needs to get eight hours of sleep, and to be the person that does those types of things. So I would say like one of the first steps that we do with that is one of the first calls that we ever do with our clients. It's not telling them exactly what to eat. It's not telling them how to work out. It's what we call the, the mindset call or the business plan for your body. And we do all of these, like, I guess you could say woo woo type of things in order to train our clients' minds to not only lose the weight, but to lose the weight and to step on the scale and to feel like it's a normal thing and to feel like eating healthy foods is a normal thing and to feel like working out is a normal thing. Love that. If we don't change that deeper belief system or deeper story about, oh, I'm just not the type of person who gets into shape. I'm just, uh, I'm just not an exercise person. It's like, whoa. Uh, and, and the, what I hear you saying is like they haven't connected it with eating. For example, you use the, you, you said something about eating to fuel performance in, in their business. Mm-hmm. It's like they just haven't connected the dots to understand like, look, you're not, I don't know about you, Dan, but I'm not a person. I'm like, oh, come on, bro. Let's go exercise. I love being in the gym. If I could be in the gym eight hours a day, seven days a week, that's what I would do with my life. I don't want to do that. I want to spend the least amount of time in the gym possible. I want to spend the least amount of time thinking about nutrition as possible. I want to be performing well for my clients, 
for uh, these podcasts and for, I mean, you, you know, to show up as my best self to, to make it short. And, and so you and I, we've kind of connected these dots between business and health and understand that it's what well, I say, it's the foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what you said, like you got to create the business plan for your body. Let's talk about that a little bit, like, because I love the talk there, right? <laughs> love the wording there. Because yeah. when, when I find, find that when I start speaking the language of my clients, like it resonates with them. Like if you're talking about calorie deficits, it's like, hey, man, you know how in your business you can spend a lot of money on, say, Facebook ads, but, you know, there's these other things that really give you more benefit, but you can, but you can afford everything if you, you stay within your budget. But if you go over your budget, it kind of breaks the bank. Mm. Well, that's kind of what nutrition is like, right? Yeah. And so what is this creating a business plan for your body? Can you talk a little bit about that in addition to what you shared about the mindset? For sure. Uh, I believe that we must entrain our minds before we change our bodies. And they must go hand in hand. And uh, one doesn't come before the other. They actually kind of, they're like the Ouroboros where it's like feeding each other. You know, one feeds the other one. And the business plan for the body, it has less to do with calories and workouts. And it has more to do with the internal reasons why they do what they do and why they want it. So I'll take you through the entire system. So number one, we set a very clear goal, uh, whether that goal is body fat, whether that goal is weight, whether that goal is, is usually body fat or weight, or it could be like fitting into like a, you know, a shirt or whatever it is. We set a very clear goal. And this is kind of like uh, setting on your GPS saying that I don't just want to go to New York. I want to go to the intersection of 45th and 10th Street. And I want to be at the Hotel Omni or whatever it is. You know, in my case, it'll be like Hotel Four Seasons. Who knows? What the fuck? You know, but we want to set a very clear destination and we want to have something that's measurable. Then we go into what I call the uh, psychological babble. <laughs> so I ask my, I ask my clients uh, why they want to achieve a goal. And then they'll tell me, oh, I just want to look sexy. Then I ask them why you want to look sexy. Oh, because I just uh, you know want to be able to take off my shirt with confidence at the gym. Okay, so why do you want to do that? And then we literally take every single one of their whys, we break them down, and we ask seven, six to seven more clarifying whys as to uh, how we get there. And I'll give you an example. So we did this like with one of my clients. I won't share his name or anything like that, but we he started off by saying, "Why do you want to get in shape? Because I want to look better." And we asked so many questions why to the point where he said when he was a kid, he went to the pool and then he got made fun of by this girl that he was having a crush on. That had stuck with him for the rest of his life. And we have to ask these clarifying questions as to the reasons why, because we want to get down to the roots as to like why you want to achieve this goal. Because usually it's not about looking sexy. It's not about this. A lot of times it has to do with like past experiences and it has to do with the way that you see yourself. Then afterwards we'll ask, okay, cool. What are the major obstacles to achieving this goal? So many people go on a weight loss plan and they never think about second order consequences. They never think about, you know, what are the, or what's the second, third, fourth order consequences of this happening to you, right? So 
And we never even foresee the obstacles, which is what everyone does in business. Like before they even start a business, they think about what the obstacles are and they think about the solutions. So after we come up with the obstacles, we come up with the solutions together. And then afterwards, we ask a bunch of clarifying questions. Is this going to be worth it? Is it going to be worth it for the time, effort, and pain that you're going to put into this? You know, is this going to be worth it for your family, for you you to be able to do this? Is the juice going to be worth the squeeze? Then afterwards, what I do is we take that entire, like literally the entire time I'm doing this, I'm like taking notes. So we take that, we take a day, and then I send them what I call a directive affirmation. And the directive affirmation is like a mission statement for your body. It's like a mission statement for your business. I, uh, Dan Go will weigh in at, uh, let's just say 175 pounds by December 30th, 2020. And I'm feeling amazing because I'm getting three workouts in and all this kind of stuff. So we make something really powerful for them to read every single day. And then that is the business plan for the body. And if, and, and quite frankly, anyone that goes through this process, we have, so we, we track our clients' results and we track like how many people finish, how many people get, get goals or hit their goals and whatnot. Every single client that does this, they have a 94% uh, success rate at hitting their target goal within the first 12 weeks. And the reason is, is because they're both set up from a mental aspect and they're also set up from a physical aspect. It's interesting because we have a, a similar exercise that we do called the heaven and the hell. And the people <laughs> who, it, and it's just kind of like getting clear on what they're wanting to shoot for, getting clear on what will happen if they don't change. And the people who really take the time to do it, everyone does it. Well, not everyone does it actually. Yeah, but the yeah. people who take the time to do it and do it well, tend to hit their goals. The people who are just like, well, I, I don't, I want to be healthier. Uh, I want to lose a few pounds. Yeah. And I, 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 and I, and for the thing I'm moving away from, I don't want to be unhealthy. It's like the people who are unwilling to go there, it's one of the, and, and here's how I look at it. I'm asking to them to do something that's uncomfortable. And if you're not willing to go there, you're not willing to change and, and you're literally not doing the work to change. You're saying no to the work because the work is writing that stuff down and getting clear on it and thinking about it and putting effort into it. And if you can't do that, you're not going to change. And that's what I hear you saying. Like you've got to commit to change. And I love what you said about hitting the, uh, I love how you've gotten the stats down even to, you know, I, I love that mentality. Uh, where you're able to kind of say, hey, listen, people who do this get 94% of people hit their goals in 12 weeks when this happens. Um, And I hope if you're listening to this right now and you're you're stuck in the cycle of like, oh, I'm I'm," something, because it's usually, I don't know about your experience, Dan, but it's usually some sort of thing that triggers people to take care of their health. Like, oh, I'm going to be 50. Oh, I've got uh, something coming up. Oh, I went to the doctor's office and they said that I was pre-diabetic. It's something that creates a change. And then they're looking for what to do. And if they're, I don't want to say this in a condescending way, but operating on a, on a lower level of understanding of uh, health and fitness, it's like the fad diets. Okay, should I do mm-hmm. keto? Should I do a juice detox or, 
You know, in fact, you talk about that as well. You say why fad diets are the worst thing you can do to your body. Can what I would love to hear. I've talked about fad diets here all the time. I want to hear your perspective. What, how do you look at fad diets and, and what would you tell someone right now who's perhaps in that spot we just talked about in considering doing keto, keto and intermittent fasting? I hear that's all the rage, <laughs> you know, for, to get back in shape. Yeah. What would I say to them? I would say that in my experience, both with myself and my clients, these are short-term solutions. And you are literally, you're choosing these. And most times when people choose them, it's because they want simplicity. They want as much simplicity as possible. So like if you do keto, like you're not going to eat carbs for the rest of your life. Okay, cool. You know, like Guess I don't have to eat carbs for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's simple. Great observation, uh, by the way. Yeah. With with that, thank you. Thank you. And with fasting, it's like, okay, well, I just eat between like 12 and 8. That's simple for me. And that's cool, you know. But how exactly are you going to live a life? Let's just say, let's take keto, for example. How are you going to live a life where carbs are all around you and you are not going to eat carbs or fruits for, for the rest of your life. Like you're going to be seeing this food everywhere, everywhere you go. So instead of like getting away from it, why don't you learn to incorporate it and still have the body that you are trying to go after? And I do think that people make this mutually exclusive agreement again, where they say, well, you know, if I, if I eat a carb, I'm just going to get fat. Like when I did keto and when, when my clients did keto, they got scared of carbs. They got paranoid about carbs. And they thought that every single carb that they were putting into their body was going to make them fat. And that's, that's actually the second part. Like you're developing a psychosis around thinking like this is like the magical thing that's going to be working for you. When the reality is, guess what? I've seen some people just like take keto and intermittent fasting to the nth degree. And I've seen people just like fucking make uh, like, lasagna like cheese and ground beef and pizzas or whatever the fuck it is like and then they would eat an entire pizza to themselves saying keto right <laughs> that's like you're taking in three thousand calories i don't think that's like the whole purpose and when we break down these fad diets and when we actually look at everything when it comes to the meta analysis and when it comes to the actual evidence they are very cute ways of reducing calories from going into your body so my whole thing with my clients is incorporate everything. Uh, some of my clients, I'll even get them to go and eat a cake on purpose because you have to understand that this shit is not toxic. This shit is not poison. This shit's not going to make you fat. It is within the moderations of how your body wants, of, of how your body takes it essentially, right? And the poison is always in the dose. So, you know, with fat diets, especially, there is, uh, there is this like scary shit that people try to make around carbs and seed oils and like all this kind of stuff, <laughs> right? And the thing is, like, you're just trying to make something evil and you're bringing emotion into this. When in reality, it's like if you want to follow a diet and be very objective about your nutrition, you got to actually be unemotional and not be like, sugar's the devil, carbs are the devil, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's literally, no, find a nutrition program that fits with your lifestyle. And personally for me, uh, I am biased because I am a coach. I think everything should be highly customizable to the client. 
I don't think you should be adopting anyone else's fucking diet. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. I don't think you should be adopting anyone else's fucking workout either. Right. And I'm very passionate about this because t- people take this cookie cutter, you know, diets and programs and whatever, and then they go too full force with it. They get some results. And then what happens afterwards? It doesn't fit their lifestyles. They gain back all the way. They don't realize that they actually put their bodies in a worse position than it was in before they actually went on that diet. And that's the reason why I tell people that diets are just complete bullshit. Well, uh, I have nothing to say about that except bravo because it's, we all feel the same. Like once you're working with people and you're like, Hey, listen, do you know how you eat these foods and you've been eating these foods for years? Well, we're going to have you not eat these foods anymore. And here's the list of foods that you've never eaten before and that you don't particularly like, and you're going to eat these foods. And these foods are going to be the magic foods that get you in shape. So get to it, right? I actually used to do that back in the day. But we eventually learn, right, that uh, changing someone's diet the least amount possible is Mm -hmm. the best way to do things. And letting people make the choices. Do you want to optimize? Because a lot of people will say, well, because, uh, because uh, I mean, you know, we we do similar things in customizing, right? So, like, a lot of people will say, "Well, hey, what are the best foods to be eating, though? What <laughs> what food choices should I make?" I'm like, "Well, listen, you you know, you want to get down right now. You're in the obese or overweight mm-hmm. body fat range. Why don't we just master that first, which are the basics?" And then once you're there, if you feel like you want to try to optimize your diet, we can look at a, a, a Mediterranean or an Asian or a Mediterranean. Mediterranean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Difficult to say for me in the morning here. Uh, haven't had enough coffee yet, but a Mediterranean approach. But again, what you said is key. It's got to be sustainable. And if it's not, and this is something so many people say, and I think many people at least who listen to my show have heard, but they don't really get it. You know, you don't really get it. It goes in one ear out the other. And then all of a sudden you're trying to make changes that you can't sustain again. And then you're in this cycle of, of staying on a program that you're having to use so much willpower and effort to stay on, even though initially, as you so astutely pointed out, Dan, people make these choices because short term, it seems more, it seems more simple. Just don't eat carbs. Mm. Just don't eat except for the hours of whatever, 12 and six, right? You can only eat during the hours of from 12 PM to 6 PM. But then when you're not getting the results that you want, when it's a few months in and you're already struggling, then it's, what are you going to do? You, you give up usually go back to what you were doing before, put the weight back on, wait until another crisis or wake-up call happens, and then rinse, repeat. <laughs> they, they go harder with the diets too, right? If they, don't, if they do keto, then they're just going to try to go harder with the keto if they're not getting the results that they had in the beginning. If it was yeah, fasting- You keto hard enough. Yeah. Maybe I didn't keto hard okay. enough. I got to close my, I got to close my window of eating to 12 to two. And then I have to do a 24 hour fast at twice every week, you know? <laughs> and, and then you're just like, they are going harder because they're not getting the same result. And then what they are doing is 
they need, they literally need someone um, on the other side. Actually, I say this all the time. As a coach, you probably know this as well. A lot of the the time that we take is actually talking people off the ledge, right? Yeah. It's like, don't fucking change anything. <laughs> don't. Like, it's it's going to slow down. It's okay. But don't change anything. Like, literally 50% of my, my calls sometimes uh, is just like, you know, actually, actually I had one person before is like, dude, I'm not losing any weight and I haven't been in ketosis. And I'm just like, brother, just, just please don't, don't tell me that anymore. <laughs> like, don't, don't mention that word. Just stick with the program. And lo and behold, actually, lo and behold, like we just kept on eating carbs. He kept on tracking his meals and whatnot. And he was dropping. He started to go on the trend of dropping again. And, and quite frankly, with like it, with fad diets in general, the only choice is to go harder. That's the only choice that you have. And then I, I know from actually just from my experience, maybe like 2% of people who adopt maybe a keto or an intermittent fasting primarily uh, diet, they keep the weight off. The other 90, the, people don't talk about the 98% of people who fail these diets, right? They never, they never, there's no stories about them. There's always a story about the guy who lost a hundred pounds, 500 pounds on like keto or whatever it is, you know, but there's never like the, the 98% of people who are not successful on that particular program, you know? So uh, I'm big on customization. I'm big on incorporating everything rather than eliminating and restricting. Right on. Yeah, man. And, uh, I'll just throw in one more thing about what you said about the people who get results with the extreme diets. Those people usually get a lot of, let's say, fame, social media fame, a lot of social support, a lot of recognition, uh, and probably had never had that before. And it's part of, I, I would even argue, one of the best things about fad diets if we wanted to defend them is that usually they have the occult-like sort of community around it, which yeah. it can be extremely, I mean, you see people don't want to break ranks mm. because they feel so connected with the group. And it's like they're, they're arguing. And, and actually, a lot of intellectually smart people, right, emotionally busted up, mm. right? Mm. <laughs> because mm. it's just like you have to really go out of your way to... Uh, ignore the evidence at yeah. it, 2020. Oh, <laughs> you got to go out of your way to ignore the evidence. I, 2010, 2005, you know, yeah. I was, I used to preach carbs make you fat. It's real, yeah. real easy, Dan. Yeah. I'll break it down for you. Carbs, you eat them, they raise insulin. Insulin is a fat storing hormone. How do I know that? I read it in a blog, bro. Mm. So, Raises insulin. Insulin's a fat-storing hormone. Therefore, carbs make you fat. So simple. But now we have so many studies, so many really um, gifted, talented, smart researchers putting out great information. And you've already mentioned, you know, studies and meta analyses and that yeah. type of thing. Um, you really got to go out of your way. So, um, so if you're in, into the cult sort of thing, you know, but you can be part of a better community, one that allows you to eat watermelon and bananas <laughs> yeah. and the occasional slice or in, in, in Dan's coaching, cake. Uh, in the case of Dan's coaching, an entire cake. 
An entire cake. Yes, of course. <laughs> we got to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything could be taken off context in the internet. Actually, so this whole conversation reminded me of, um, you know, Alan Aragon, obviously. He's one of like sure. the, uh, one of the best compilers of research when it comes to nutrition data. And I remember he was having this, um, this uh, debate with a very prominent keto guy. And literally the, the debate was a debate. Alan had actually won that. And Alan asked him at the end of it, he's like, well, if you knew, and the evidence actually pointed out to, uh, let's just say keto being false and being fake. And there was, there was a ton of evidence and it was almost like to a, you didn't have any doubt. Would you actually believe that, would you still believe in the keto diet? And the guy was like, absolutely. Yes. And that is not the sign of someone that is objective. That is a sign of someone that is tied to his opinion. And whether or not that opinion is, uh, is actually proved in his own life or whatever, he will, he will just like maneuver and uh, try to, man- I, I want to say manipulate, but massage every single thing that he finds with keto to be like the, the godlike fucking diet that's out there. Right. And then that's, that's the thing with like fucking diets in general. It's like we need to be objective. We need to know what the research is behind it, but also we need to make our own determinations. And if you can't have an open mind to say that maybe other diets would actually work, then we can't take your opinion seriously. So true. Something to keep in mind if you're listening and having conversations, polarization sells, Mm. you know, Dan, you're, you're Canadian, not sure how, how it, The, the, the polarization in America is so loud, it's hard to even know what else is going on in any other country. But uh, polarization sells, but uh, the problem is what you, what you get for buying into it is, uh, is, is not usually worth it. No? Dan, uh, you mentioned something else um, about what entrepreneurs want, and you said it's not a six-pack. So in your experience, what do most entrepreneurs want when it comes to their health and fitness? Well, at least the ones that I work with, they usually come to me uh, either one of two things, either uh, way overweight to the obese, like literally, like people, when people look at the BMI, they, they're like, I don't take much stock in the BMI. It's like, no, like you're not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like you got to look at the BMI. Okay. Like you're not, you don't have that much muscle on you. So usually the people that I take in are people who are in the obese side, but there is another subset. I would say this is about maybe like 30% of them are skinny fat, right? And most times when entrepreneurs come to me, they, I've had literally one person say that he wanted the six pack, literally one. And we're still working towards it right now. And he's doing fucking fantastic. Everyone else, they just want better performance. They want more energy. They actually want more energy, not just for their business, but to be able to go home and still have the energy and focus to play with their kids. And they want a body that doesn't, maybe you see the lines in the abs, but more so they just want to be able to be confident in taking off their shirt at the beach. It doesn't mean that you want a six pack. It means that you just want to get rid of the beer gut. You don't, you want to have muscles in your chest instead of you know, fat, you know, people, the people I work with, they literally want to take themselves from the red line of their health down to the green line. And then usually when they get down to the green line, they're like, I'm pretty good here. You know, I'm, I guess you could say I'm a fairly normal, uh, not average, 
but I am fairly normal and I am high energy and I feel really good about my body. And that doesn't mean that I have a six pack. It just means that I have a body that's, that's a kind of avoidant away from preventable diseases. Right. And, and quite frankly, like a lot of the, some of the clients that come to me, they're actually at the precipice and their doctors gave them like the biggest scare of their lives. And they're like, Dan, I need to do something now. And, and again, it's, it's literally just, they just want to be normal, not normal from a North American perspective, because we know that's not normal, but normal from a perspective where they feel energetic and, you know, they feel energy, they feel vitality, and they feel a lot of confidence around their bodies. That six pack goal, it's for a few people, it's right. But for the most part, what you just described, I mean, that's something that everybody can do, mm. right? And um, it just will take the right, uh, the right guidance yeah. if they haven't been able to do it on their own. Yeah. There's, there's uh, actually, Dan, oh, sorry, I was going to say, there's a dirty little, yeah, there's a dirty little secret when it comes to six packs, right? It's like, so a person who gets down to like 15%, depending on their genetics, uh, and when I say genetics, it means like, where do they store body fat mainly? They can actually have a six pack at like 15 or 14% body fat. Whereas a person like, let's just say me, right? At 15%, I have like, uh, I have a four pack, but I still look like I have like fucking a little bit of like girth in the lower abs, I guess you could say. So when people like show six packs on Instagram and on social media, what they are not saying is where do they actually gain fat primarily on their bodies? And I've done, and I've, I've looked at the DEXA scans and I've seen the differences between someone with seemingly great genetics. And all they do is they, they gain most of their fat in their hip and their leg area, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and, and then for the people who don't necessarily have good genetics, they gain all their fat in the upper body area, unfortunately. Right. Right. So there's, there's a big discrepancy with people that are out there being like, oh my God, you can get these six pack abs and yada, yada, yada. When the reality is, is that it, it really actually depends on how, like the ease of getting into a six pack depends on your genetics. And maybe like one out of like 90 people will have those genetics available to them. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I tend to store fat in my lower back area more so than, than the front. Mm -hmm. So from the front, it's much easier for me to have like a very lean look. Now from the back, it's like, oh, well, you still got a little love handle there, yeah. but yeah. you know, I'll put more of that up, but I tell people about that. There's also another little dirty secret too, that has to do with genetics in that, you know, for women, there's going to be some women who get down to super low body fat percentage and they feel okay. They still menstruate. And then there's some that won't. Yeah. And what is that? It's, you know, it seems to come down to the genes mm -hmm. for guys, same sort of thing. I do well being extremely lean. I feel great. A lot of people, I haven't met anyone who said this, but uh, this is a conversation I was having with my mentor, Eric from Unlocked Fitness, uh, who coached me when I got super lean. He, he was saying like, there's going to be a certain amount of guys. So shout out to you, Eric, if you're listening, but um, there's going to be a certain amount of 
guys who who can't handle the low body fat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just you're going to be hungry. You're going to be miserable. The chances of you being willing to to do what it takes to stay there, just to have a a, a certain look, they're not good. Mm. So, but everyone can have. Everyone can be quote unquote normal, right? Normal according to the medical literature, and as you pointed out, not necessarily yeah. North American normal, because that's there's yeah. nothing normal about it. Mm. Dan, man, I feel like I could easily talk to you for hours. We uh and we already have actually. Oh. And this is our second conversation. <laughs> really enjoy speaking with you. We do have a couple people who ask questions. Do you have time to answer one or two of them? Yes, of course. Cool. So let's start with this one because it's more relevant. So I don't know how to pronounce your name. So sorry if it's wrong, but A-A-D-I-T, Adit, uh, or Adit. So Adit, I would imagine. How important is it an accountability buddy in keeping consistency during a fitness regime? Massively important. Massively. Uh, I would say that setting a goal is uh, one thing. And taking actions to achieve it is another, but I really, I think everyone does better with outside accountability. Now, should they get an accountability partner? I personally don't think accountability partners are, I don't think they're effective uh, because choosing the right accountability partner is one. And that's going to be hard because you're going to have, you're, you're basically asking someone to take time out of their day to give a fuck about your results, right? It's like, Maybe after one week, that'll be apparent. But after like two or three weeks, they're going to be like, well, that's, dude, I got, I got shit to do, man. <laughs> so I, I lean towards more so coaching because I look at it like this. Like our bodies are actually way complex. And I do think that we need someone like yourself, someone like myself, who's been in the trenches, who's been doing this for decades to literally just guide you through the process and to keep you accountable as well. And if you have a coach, that's way more powerful than an accountability partner, way more powerful because not only will they hold you accountable, but they'll also be able to guide you into the exact goal that you want and hopefully do so in a very sustainable way that fits your lifestyle. Hell yeah. I mean, when I worked with Eric and got lean when I was in Bangkok and eating mango and sticky <laughs> rice and uh, you know, cow niao and the curries, the, the cow soy, all the great, it's like I needed help. And, and uh, a big part of it, probably 50%, if not more, because I knew what to do, but it, it was just like, man, just hold me accountable for this because yeah. I just don't care enough on my own to do it, even yeah. though I feel like I really do. But the, the actions, the real world results are, are just not, aren't there for me to say, I must really care about this. So I did really care about it because I invested in help and achieved my goal. But yeah, it, it can be extremely difficult to do, especially if your accountability buddy is, uh, is, is not someone well-versed in the physiological nuances and has experience. Something to consider, but if you'd like to buy $97 uh, programs or <laughs> meal plans, keep, keep at it until... You come around. Okay, here's the thing. Guess what none of those fucking programs did, right? They never called you to see if you were doing it or <laughs> never called you to see how you were doing it or even if you started at all. You know, it's like, 
you know, if you need a plan, cool. But actually, I would say like 99% out of people out there actually need accountability from an outside source that is not themselves. Yeah, I can't. Uh, this, this is not going to be a deep debate mm. podcast ever, oh, God, I think, no. between Please. us. It's like, yeah, I second that. Yeah. So, um, so here's a, a different type of question. I mean, uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, what's the craziest thing you've ever done for a mango? In case you're listening, Dan has a great following on Twitter. And so so why not? What is the craziest thing you've ever done for a mango? Why not go uh, there? Nothing. That is nothing. <laughs> what is it about it's not, mangoes? It's not cocaine. You know, it's like, it's not like <laughs> Dave Chappelle and cocaine. It's like, oh, you know, you're... No, it has nothing to do with that. The, the craziest thing I've ever done for a mango is is buy it. That's the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever done for it. Uh, anyone who does anything above that is is yeah. That's uh, that's uh, yeah. That's another story. So that's a little inside joke. Uh, <laughs> Dan has a, a Twitter. His name on Twitter, by the way, is at Fit Founder. Definitely follow him on Twitter. Uh, of course, share the websites and everything later, but. Uh, he's got, that's, that's one of the, the Twitter questions. And here's a, here's a question from, uh, actually a friend of mine, Prince, and it's about business, but you know, let's go ahead and answer it. Cause I said I would, and, uh, happy to, happy to, I actually met Prince in Phuket in Thailand, got to connect in person. He said, he asked you, how did you decide on your niche? Do you have any advice for people trying to get into the fit over 40 niche? I'm really targeting the comic book and martial arts geeks who would like to crane kick Daniel LaRusso and do cool calisthenics. <laughs> Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai feels over here. Um, uh, how did I choose the fit over 40 niche? I, I didn't choose it. Um, I helped high achieving entrepreneurs and they, they range anywhere be from like 30 to 45, 50. Uh, and it doesn't matter how old they are. Actually it does. They have to be like somewhat mature, but you know, when you get past that, it, it depends on what they want to do with their bodies. So one say my niche is uh, very, uh, age focused, but it's more so just achievement and entrepreneur focused. And what would I say to anyone that wants to get in there? Um, you should get yourself a preponderance of proof at that niche. So if you aren't helping 40 plus people, then help start helping 40 plus people. Uh, get that Rolodex going and make that who you are. Make that about who you are. And if you're not a trainer yet, personally, I would say, well, I don't know about COVID times, but I was going to say like get a job at a personal training facility or something like that. I don't know like how, how the environment is with that, but I would say get as much experience working on someone else's dime, working with the people that you want to work with. And, um, and then afterwards, basically get that education and get paid for it. Then go off on your own and then target that niche. Yeah. Is Prince, a, sorry, is Prince a personal trainer right now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He is, um, he's not a personal trainer. He, he's a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. He, um, but he's been in the fitness game for a long time. Very, very knowledgeable about Tai Chi, kettlebells, calisthenics, uh, working with, oh, I forget the names of the guys, but they do great work and he's done their certification. So he's, 
He's, uh, he's one of those highly qualified prints. You're highly qualified, but you probably need a business coach, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was going to say that actually that is, that's number one, two, and three, get a mentor, get a business coach, make the investment. And then they are going to be a lot better than me just throwing shit out at the wall and trying to give advice. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But, but if I had to say something, I would second what you said, where just um, the, the thing more so than any other aspect of my marketing, if you call it, it would be uh, sharing the stories of people, sharing and showing pictures of the people um, who I worked with and got results. It is mm-hmm. really all about that and not about anything else. And it, um, it's the real world result uh, that just, that's what people connect with. And if I never mm-hmm. put any out, out, any of those, in fact, I don't put out enough, you know, yeah. any suck at marketing <laughs> and craziness lately, especially. Yeah. Uh, but it's really, man, if you put out, not every post, but if you put out um, stories of what your client's achieved with you. And if you show results and even in, in how you would do it differently with the martial arts, uh, calisthenics thing is show them starting a calisthenics exercise and then showing like the progress weeks later where they're able to do, uh, you know, uh, whatever you're working on a handstand. And if you show that progress, um, I don't personally do that. But I've seen other people in our industry who market more towards uh, a performance, an exercise performance goal, like a handstand, for example, and showing that journey and um, that, especially with video, that would be powerful. But hire a coach. Yeah. I would also say get very clear about your niche because 40 plus, like, that's too general. Agreed. Yeah. You got to get hyper-focused on who that person is uh, down to how much family members they have and uh, what they do for work. And, you know, that when you find out who that ideal person is, then you just talk to them every day. And then eventually they just get, you know, they just fall in your lap for some reason. Otherwise you might get, well, I'm 40, but uh, I work uh, for minimum wage. Um, I want, I I believe in, uh, you know, sitting on my couch and playing video games and eating processed food. But I really think uh, fitness should be free. (laughs) So, and um, so, yeah, what can you do for me? (laughs) Um, So, so you might get those people and uh, those people, I mean, need, need a different type of help than Mm. what you offer is, is the nice way. I'll, Mm. I'll, I'll be nice today and say it that way. But yeah, you know, interesting you say that, Dan, because, we actually put age in our, in some of our marketing and we don't, we want to change that ASAP. I had a, I have a 23 year old professional MMA fighter working with me for nutrition. Shout out mm-hmm. to you, Larkin, if you're listening and she's not <laughs> nowhere near 40 and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but she's a high performer, right? She's not an entrepreneur or an executive either which is kind of my niche. So you, but, but get super, I love what you said, Dan, get super focused on the story of the person you want to attract, but you'll end up attracting other people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but definitely talk to that one type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, Dan, um, I could easily talk to you all day. <laughs> I hope we get to meet sooner rather than later with Same. COVID and all this craziness. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Dan, he's got a podcast that's coming out. And if you want to see what he's about, if you want to perhaps work with him, go to highperformancefounder.com. Love that name, by the way, Dan, Thank for you. URL. Thank you. And, uh, and, you know, there's a place to book a call on his website. You can join his list if you want to dip your toe in. Uh, he's got the podcast coming out. Dan, you have a great voice. Uh, and a smooth delivery, so I can I can see your podcast really doing quite well. Thanks. Um, it would be cool to hear that when that comes out. So that's where you can find Dan. Dan, is there any other place you want to uh, send people to, or any other thing that you'd like to some some closing words to wrap uh, up our interview? Yeah, if you if I am very active on Twitter, as Ted knows. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at FitFounder. And uh, closing words, I would just say to do whatever you can to reach your full potential. And it starts with your health. And um, don't think it starts with making money or whatever it is. Your, your, your potential lies in first, making sure that you are the healthiest person alive, not just for your business, but for your family and especially for yourself. So please do whatever you can to get your body as healthy as humanly possible. And that's it. Beautiful. Dan, thanks so much, man. Really enjoyed this. We got to have you back sooner rather than later and uh, appreciate what you do. Thank you so much for having me on, Ted. Uh, I was listening to your podcast uh, maybe like a year ago and I was just like, I'm going to get on this guy's podcast because I just loved everything that you're coming out with. And uh, yeah, here I am. And yes, we are going to do this again. You're going to come on my podcast uh, when, when it's all launched and ready. Sounds great. Can't wait. All right, brother. 